Welcome in to the Bear Down Podcast right here on the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black, along with Adam Abdallah. You can listen to our show weeknights, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, we talk Bears football with you right here on the Bear Down Podcast. Recapping week nine, the Dolphins beat the Bears 35 to 32. A lot of people in town over the last 24 hours have been celebrating this loss. The Bears losing to the Dolphins. Why? Because of Justin Fields. How great he looked on Sunday. Uh, The Bears seem to have their quarterback for the future. Fields goes 17 for 28, 123 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He also ran for 178 yards on the ground with a score, four touchdowns total from Fields. The Bears lose by three, but it definitely didn't feel the way it used to when the Bears will lose in the past. No, I mean, in the past, just as recent as this year, right? I mean, look at the Commanders game. Look at the Giants game. Those did not feel good. I mean, go back to the Packers game. Those did not feel good because the offense was stagnant. I mean, you've got teams that when they when they lost to those teams, you know, they put up 10 points against Green Bay. They put up 12 points against uh, the Giants. They looked better against Minnesota, 22 points against Minnesota, still not good enough. And then seven points against the Commanders, losing... By, by, you know, 20 points to Dallas while still scoring 29 points, you know, losing by three points while still scoring 32 points, it doesn't feel as bad because by trading away Roquan Smith and, uh, and Robert Quinn, this organization has told you that, like, we're rebuilding all sides of the football. We've begun our rebuild of the defense in, earlier this year when we drafted, you know, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, and now they've begun the rebuilding of their offense by adding, you know, a couple offensive linemen and then also adding in Chase Claypool here uh, at the trade deadline. So they're telling you they're rebuilding. So losing games by one score is good, I think. Losing isn't good in general. Like, here's the, here's the, the, the like... Here's the term paper. Losing isn't good, except like losing by one score when you're a rebuilding team is fine, in my opinion. You're rebuilding. That's you're competing, but you're also rebuilding. And then also sub sub point, losing when your offense looks good and competing against one of the top offenses in the NFL is also good. Like losing and getting blown out. Like yes, it was a blowout against the Cowboys. Not good. Blowout against the 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 Packers. Not good. But when you're losing one-score games, we talked about the Lions last year, and I know the Lions' blueprint is not one to follow because they're, they only have two wins this season. But I feel like the Bears obviously have the better quarterback with fields over Goff. Is that if, you're, if you add a few players, those one-score losses can turn into one-score wins very quickly if you add the right players in free agency in the draft. And so I think that, yeah, it's not a victory dance, but it's a, I'm not that upset by this loss. I know what to expect. I was expecting a loss to the Dolphins anyway. But the fact that they put up 30 points is just icing on the cake because it's like, all right, now there's an offense for this team. And like, yeah, the defense needs work. But for the most part, you want to see progress from Justin Fields this season. And you're seeing that. Yeah, you are. And, and no doubt. This defense has to improve if you want to win football games. Uh, The way that they're playing now is enjoyable to see, but you're not going to win until you limit teams from scoring 30 a night on you. And and that's the thing is like, yeah, I get it. That's the direction that this team is heading, and it's great that we're seeing some progress from the quarterback. Um, Clearly, from the mini-buy 
on. They have changed their approach offensively, and that has given you three games of a sample size against pretty good teams. It's good competition. New England, Dallas, Miami, where you can say, all right, here we go. This is what we're doing for the future, and we've got a quarterback who's developing in the right direction. The defense has to get better, no doubt. Um, But what we've seen to this point, I think what's interesting on this podcast as we document the season uh, and we go through it in real time, this season really, if you look at, uh, you know, four, three to four plays, really swing the balance on what the outcome of this season is at this point. The Bears are three and six. The defense is improving. I mean, the, the offense is improving. The defense has struggled. Yet, as you said, the Bears have been in a lot of these games. They're blown out by the Cowboys. Put that to the side. They're blown out by the Packers. Put that to the side. Outside of that, we could give you a muff punt from Valus Jones against the Giants, resulting in a Bears loss where they had an opportunity. So there's one. We could look at the Smith-Marset fumble return for a touchdown mm-hmm. against the Vikings, which the Bears had an opportunity late in the fourth quarter against Minnesota, which is a loss. There's number two. We could look at a commander's loss where on the goal line, the quarterback put the ball in the right spot and your wide receiver doesn't fall into the end zone. There's three. There's three plays. And then the fourth play, if you eliminate a special teams snafu, a mistake on special teams where you give up the block punt, return for a touchdown, the Bears outplayed the Dolphins Mm -hmm. on Sunday. Those four plays, huge turnover plays, and and then also the the Mooney not falling into the end zone. That right there, let's not say all of them play out, right? Because there's turnovers involved. You eliminate two of those. Yeah. And now the Bears are sitting here at what? Five and four? Mm Mm-hmm. In the with, hunt. A, with a quarterback progressing oh, yeah. in the right direction with an offense scoring points. And you know what that feels to me? It feels very Seahawks. You know, the Seahawks don't have a good defense. Their quarterback is playing out of his mind right now, and they're scoring points and they're winning football games. They've had more success than the Bears to this point this season. But, like, the Seahawks are not supposed to be competing in these games, but they are because of their offense. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, if you just go 50-50 on those four plays, all of a sudden the Bears are sitting at five and, and four and you have an opportunity to make the playoffs in a season that is a rebuilding. See, there's a lot of positives to look at it. The defense has been so bad, though, but there are positives to take from this point as we head into the halfway point in this NFL season. Yeah, so I did some uh, some number crunching, and I know I use DVOA a lot probably to a fault, but I'm still going to use it. So the first six weeks of the season, Chris, the Bears' total DVOA, they were 30th through the first six weeks of the season. Okay, They were 30th in offense and 19th in defense. The last three weeks, if you just use the last three weeks, so the Patriots game, the Dallas game, and the game against the Dolphins, those three games, they are now 23rd overall, but they have the ninth best offense. They have, if you use the, the since the mini buy, they have a top 10 offense. Now, they have a 31st ranked defense. So we've seen the shift, right? The shift has gone from this defense is now garbage. But now 
you're seeing a top 10 offense in the NFL. I mean, they're ahead of Seattle. They're ahead of Jacksonville. They're ahead of the Jets. They're ahead of the Packers. They're ahead of Atlanta. I mean, we're talking about there with Kansas City. It goes Kansas City, Philly, Miami, Cleveland, Dallas, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Baltimore, the Bears. Like, they are a top 10 offense the last three weeks. And I think it keeps up against the Lions. I don't know about the Jets. I don't know about the Falcons. I don't know. I think it should against the Falcons. They don't have a very good uh, defense either. But if you look at their, they've been able to keep it on offense. They have a 28th-ranked defense right now the last three weeks. But you've got a team that is completely flipped from what it was the beginning of the season. Beginning of the season, looking at the DVOA projections, they were going to have a top-10 defense. Now, that was assuming they kept Robert Quinn, they kept Roquan Smith, you have Kyler Gordon develop, you have Jaquan Brisker, who turned looks like he's going to be a decent player. He did have a horrible game, but that entire defense had a horrible game against the Dolphins. But this is a team now where this is a modern NFL team. The defense needs to fix itself. I understand that. You have a defensive-minded head coach. Hopefully they work on some scheme in the next week and you don't give up 35 points to the Lions on Sunday. But this is what we wanted to see. I said just be mediocre. Be 20th, be 15th, be somewhere in that 15 to 20 range by the end of the season, and then add some players. But we're going by the last three weeks. This is a top 10 offense. This is a team that's scoring 30 points a game in the last three weeks since that mini-buy. And that's huge for the development of this football team. I'd say you you enter the month of October. We talked about it on this podcast. We felt good about fields. And the way this offense looked against the Giants. Do you remember the conversation that people were having on ESPN 1000 after the Giants game? Mm -hmm. People were questioning Fields and whether or not he could play. And we were like, hold on. You think that the Bears lost against the Giants because Justin Fields? He he was making plays. He was he was progressing the way we're we're expecting. So he's gone Giants, Vikings, both look good in both those games. Washington, I know that there are a couple of throws they missed. But in the second half, he looked pretty good and comfortable. They just didn't win in the end. I was actually more impressed with Fields after the Washington game than I think most people were also. He he jumps on the scene against New England on Monday Night Football. Cowboys game still playing well. And then on Sunday against the Dolphins. We're talking about six games where for the most part, he has played really good football. And like... You look at the month of September, uh, young quarterback just getting his legs underneath them mm-hmm. with a new offense is, is the way that I think this is shaping up is that he has now given you six weeks, six games where he is clearly showing you that he is not the player we saw last year when he was getting his head knocked off by the Cleveland Browns, when he was running for his life in different situations last year. This guy seems like he's under control. Uh, does he take some hits still? Yes. Is he going downfield as much as he should? Probably not. I do think what we saw from the Dolphins game is he now has a trusted wide receiver who he can put it up for, and if the refs decide to participate in the action, you get a, a pass interference called, boom, you're moving the football. Chase Claypool is that player. I don't know why or how they didn't call pass interference on that last play, but... Fields put on the money, and he put it in a spot where quarterbacks put it for the wide receivers who get calls for pass interference. Therefore, the play was made by the quarterback, and then you follow that up immediately with a fourth and ten where you put the football on the money to St. Brown. Bobble right through the hands. Yeah. That was unbelievable. Uh, I was at the game. I was in the stadium. I, didn't, I was unaware 
that the throw was as perfect as it was until I saw the highlights afterwards. I thought Fields, the way it looked in the stadium, because they were on the other side of the field uh, from us, so they were on the right side going to the south, and we're sitting like on the on the left side of the south end zone. I I, I thought at that point, I thought he led AQ too far. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. from my vantage point, I thought I didn't know that the ball went through the hands. Oh, I yeah. thought the ball went past St. Brown and he just couldn't reach it. No, this that's, was that's terrible. This is and but see that's the thing, right? So the push that forward to next year. You draft a wide receiver in the first or second round. That becomes your number one wide receiver, right? Because we all agree that anybody coming out of college will probably be better once they get their timing and their uh, you know, their relationship going, that they'll be good. They'll be better than Mooney, and they'll be better than Claypool. So that means that Claypool now takes the Equiminia St. Brown role, or Mooney takes that Equiminia St. Brown role, and you have that number one wide receiver. So that throw, Chase Claypool catches that football. You know, he's got better hands than Equiminia St. Brown. And I think that, you know, in the next few weeks here, you're going to have enough more opportunities. I mean, looking at this week, just a quick look ahead, the Detroit, Detroit has uh, our 26th. In defensive DVOA, Atlanta is 29th. Uh, the Jets are very good. The Jets have the top six defense. There's number six right now. And Green Bay has an 18th ranked defense right now. So you've got winnable games. Like the, the edge I give to the Bears against the Jets is the quarterback, obviously. Zach Wilson has not looked good at all this season. And so you've got more, t- more growth here coming. Like, I feel like he'll play well against the Lions. Hopefully, the result is 35-32 to 32 for the Bears this time, right? And then you've got Atlanta, who you can beat. They can run the ball, but I don't trust Marcus Mariota. I think the Bears are still going to have the better quarterback on the field. And then you've got the Jets after that. We talked about them. And then we've got Green Bay, and Green Bay has been really struggling. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, he might, like, Aaron Rodgers might just be like, whatever, we're going to get to the Bears, and I can throw on the Bears. It's not a problem. And he might be able to. But this time, you might be able to keep up. And I think that you've got still now four and then five. You've got five to six winnable games left on this schedule to boost this team's morale a little bit and to show off what Justin Fields can do. Because the front office clearly believes in him. They wouldn't have added Chase Claypool if they didn't. But this is now a team where we're talking about completely differently than we did after the game against the Commanders. Yeah, we are. And I I think you're right. I think they believe in him. Uh, I think uh, Chase Claypool just needs some time to get uh, added to the offense. Clearly, they implemented Claypool into the scripted first 15. Uh, There was a effort early to get the football in his hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then like for the middle chunks of the game, you didn't really see much from Chase Claypool. I don't were they talking about it on TV because in the stadium it was it seemed like they used him very late and they used him at the first couple of drives and that was about it. You didn't see him much during the second and the third quarter. Well, I think he had a limited uh amount of plays going into the game in general, right? Like I think they just set a certain amount of plays that he would be involved in just because he was learning the play sheet. I mean, he had uh, how many targets did he have? He had six. Six targets, okay. Two catches, six targets. He also ran the football uh, once for okay. four yards. So I think that, you know, you see that probably doubles next week. And then the week after that against the Jets, I think that's when you see a, a, a big turnaround from him. Like, I think that's when he's in, you know, 95, like a normal amount of plays for, for a wide receiver. 
I think that he's in there a lot because now you've got a full week of practice. He's got, you know, 10 days to be with the playbook and everything like that. They can work on throwing to each other and all that kind of stuff. And then in two weeks from now, you'll probably see even more of Chase Claypool. Matt Eberflus after the game talking about this offense and the progress it's made the last few weeks. No, I just think that we're really maximizing our strengths you know, um, and, you know, minimizes our weaknesses right now. And that was going into that bye week. We wanted to really focus on that, look at our roster and making sure that we did that. And I think we're doing a lot of good things in protection to help ourselves uh, move in the pocket, um, you know, and, and giving some uh, sight lines and vision lines for the quarterback that he likes that is uh, really uh, good for him. And he's, and he's doing a great job with that. Um, he still, you know, obviously has the ability to use his feet. Um, you know, when things break down, we saw it today on a few third downs, which, I, you know, just from me being a defensive guy, you know, uh, you know, in the past that that's very difficult. You know, you have to, you know, send five guys. You have to have a guy for him that limits your coverages, you know, so it, it, it creates a lot of situations. And sometimes you will send more than that just to fill up the gaps. And, uh, you know, so it's uh, it's a problem. You know, so he's been really uh, good at executing. I think we've been really good the last three weeks in third down. We've been really doing a good job of executing there to keeping the drives alive. You know, the time of possession has been really good, you know, for our football team where we are right now. So that's been good. I think in the first half it was like, you know, we had it for 20 minutes, I think. So um, uh, just doing a really good job of progressing the offense. So Matt Eberflus after the game, he also talked about Justin Fields and his efficiency on the football field. Here's... Eberflus talking about the quarterback. Yeah, just as like we talked about before, just his pocket presence. You know, he feels more comfortable back there. Uh, his platform, he's in balance. You know, uh, you know, he's looking down the field to throw the ball, uh, which is a dangerous thing for the defense, and uh, um, he's progressing that way. Yeah, clearly uh, things look comfortable. And you know, the other thing I noticed, you, you see it because you're you're sitting in the stadium, you're not watching commercials during the timeout, you're not watching like what they're showing you on TV, like Justin Fields looks like the real dude like you know what i mean like his teammates clearly are uh, gravitate towards him mm-hmm. he carries himself as if he's the guy on a team it, it's something it, it may sound silly but we've noticed in years past when there's a quarterback who's not the guy it's very obvious that they don't carry themselves like they're the guy mm-hmm. you know for all the the crap that people gave cutler he always carried himself as if he was the guy. Mitchell Trubisky looked like he was afraid out there on the football field mm-hmm. during timeouts. It looked nervous, uh, twitchy, and it's it just, you can tell. There's a, there's a calmness about Justin Fields coming on and off the sideline, entering the huddle, after a play, walking back to the, talking to his teammates, going to the bench. It's just, it looks right. Right, like it sounds stupid, but no, but that comes when, when with, guys are not ready for the spot. Yeah, they, they look like they're not like it. Something looks amiss. Fields hits all of the check. He checks all the boxes when it comes to like the the look of a an elite quarterback in the NFL. Like he looks the part. But that comes with being from Ohio State. Yeah. Like that comes from being at an elite program that is on in prime time. A lot of the times, whether they're the feature 11 o'clock game or they're the game of the night or whatever, that comes from being at a premier program. That's why on the field you saw, you know, Deshaun Watson 
always looked the part. Like Trevor Lawrence looks the part. Guys that go to schools, and I know that like I'm not trying to knock dudes that don't go to real schools. Like Texas Tech is still a legit school, and Patrick Mahomes from I mean he didn't have the best, he didn't have like gaudy numbers in college, but like he still look when you're the the main guy at a major program. That's what they teach you how to be the guy. I would say the the Patrick Mahomes thing, the the one item that you could add to his side that maybe it didn't matter that he didn't go to the top school was that his parent, his dad's a pro athlete. Yeah. So like there, there's this element of like, I'm supposed to be here Mm -hmm. because this is how I grew up. This is how my family, like, like the Mannings, not only did they go to elite sec schools, but also they're supposed to be there because their father played in the NFL. We're like a kid that doesn't have that. I think when you go to a smaller school sometimes, it does. And I know people could throw back at us, well, how do you explain Josh Allen? I don't know if I can, but I can explain. Well, Josh Allen took a year to, or so to come into his own too, though. No, it did. But I, I guess the, the point being is like for every Josh Allen, we could give you six different players like a Josh Rosen or Mitchell Trubisky or others mm-hmm. who maybe didn't have that highest level of success in college football, and then they get to the NFL, Does and Zach they just can't, look like that guy? can't get it done. Zach Wilson doesn't look like that guy to me. Yeah, Zach Wilson does not look like the guy. And you're in, But here's, here's the difference. You and I mentioned it during the college football season. He only beat teams that BYU was better than. Yeah. When they went up against likewise competition – they got their ass handed to him yeah. by Coastal Carolina on the on the road. <laughs> no, seriously. No, I know. Like I Zach remember. Wilson was like a, a kind of like a, a fake great player in college football. Yeah. Like they beat up on bad teams at BYU and the tough teams he struggled against. It was something we pointed out. Well, and you know, I'm obviously biased because of his time at Alabama, but Jalen Hurts is that dude. Yeah, like Hurts, Jalen Hurts is a, Hurts is the guy. He is a yes. born leader. Like. You talked, listen to Saban's quotes about, I mean, the only time I've ever seen Nick Saban get emotional is when Jalen came in for the injured Tua and won the SEC championship game. And like Saban on the sideline, you can look it up, gets emotional and like almost starts crying. Like his, his eyes got watery. His voice starts to break because he talks about, Hey, he's not one of these kids that transferred as soon as we said that Tua got the job. Like, he stuck around and stuck with the program. And then, yes, did he transfer? Sure. He wanted to go start for his final year so he could be drafted high. So he went to Oklahoma. But even Oklahoma, he was a leader at Oklahoma. And then he goes to the NFL. And, like, the team, never they didn't give up on him. And they've given him the opportunity this year. And he's thriving. And he is a legit MVP candidate this year if the Eagles go undefeated or if they, you know, because it looks like Josh Allen might miss some games. He might miss some games here with an elbow injury. Like Jalen could win the MVP this year, and he's always looked like a leader. He's always looked like the most calm guy on the field, no matter how bad it gets. He brought teams back in college and in the NFL, back from deficits. He's always that presence. I hope that's what we have in Justin Fields because that's the trajectory I would like him to go on is that being more accurate. Jalen Hurts has gotten a a few percentage points more accurate every single year. Yeah. And that's what I want to see from Justin Fields. Now, we all know you can run. We all know that. We you put up you you have the record now for the most rushing yards in a regular season football game. We get that now. Now you've got to work on staying in the pocket be, but when the when the line gets better. I don't mind it now. When the line gets better, work on staying in the pocket and being more accurate every single year and get better 
in that sense. Here's Justin Fields talking about losing, but he's improving and playing better football. Yeah, I feel like, you know, this loss, you just got to kind of got to take the positives out of it. And, you know, you also got to, you know, go back to the film room, look at, you know, what you can improve on, you know, what plays uh, you can improve on and stuff like that. And just, you know, just keep working and keep going. So Justin Fields keep working. He's uh, moving in the right direction. And I'd say the other item that that adds to this idea that he he's built for the moment, I mean, since the age, what? 15, 16, he was the second-rated prospect in the entire country. Mm-hmm. So, like, this idea that there's expectations on his play and there's pressure to his play is nothing new. No. Like, this isn't, like, uh, I, I don't have the the clip here, but the the audio was, uh, he was asked in the postgame what it means to break the all-time Bears record for a rushing quarterback. And, like, his answer was not disrespectful, it, but you could tell, like, he doesn't care. Like, no. like it's it's cool, like, but, like... He wants he do- to win. Like, to him, he wants to be the best quarterback in the NFL. He doesn't want to just break some lousy, you know, Bears quarterback stats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and by no means was he disrespectful in the answer, but in his answer, it was like... You realize that he doesn't really care about that. Like he wants to win at a high level, and mm-hmm. it's it's what he wants to do. So, uh, good stuff from Justin Fields and his development against the Dolphins. We head now to Week Ten. The Bears will host the Lions. We'll have a uh, preview podcast on the Lions on Thursday. But Abdal Bears Lions on the lakefront right now. The Bears are the favorite by about three points in spots. Uh, the Bears have the Bear offense. And the Lions are probably one of the worst teams in the NFL. They should win this game. They should. There's no there's no feel good loss after this one. I will be I will agree with you on Monday if we come in and it's 35 to 32 and the Lions win. I will agree with you. That that will not feel good. You are supposed now that you have this offense and you have a defensive minded head coach and you have decent players in the secondary, Jared Goff cannot beat you. Like that is not going to happen. That can't happen. So this is where it sets up now for the next three weeks. Uh, Here in the month of November, this is what we've established, right? In the last month and a half, the last six weeks, Justin Fields has gone from total bust to progressing to now the national media is talking about him as the best quarterback of the group of quarterbacks from last season. If you really want to take it to the next level, the next month will have a lot to do with that. If Detroit, Atlanta, New York, if Fields has three great games and the Bears get two of three, now it's going to be talking about how Fields is, is a budding superstar. And then you that's, know what happens? that's what's going to happen. Well, and then you know what happens? And then you get the Green Bay game December the 4th. And I will tell you this. The, the uh, Packers have to play the Cowboys, the Titans, and then the Eagles. Yeah. So if you want to have Ding Dong, the witch is dead Woo! against the Packers Baby. on December the 4th before your bye week in week 14, uh, the next month of football could be pretty interesting as far as the conversation around the quarterback, around the Bears, and the, and the future of this team. Uh, I will say this. Those dancing on the grave of the Packers, let's beat the Packers on the 4th before we start doing that. Oh, look, look, I'm not dancing on their grave or anything, but I'm saying that they have three extremely tough games. Yes, they do. Ahead of this game. So, like, you you could have a Packers team. I'm not going to say that they're going to lose all three, but let's say they do. They're already on a five-game losing streak. You could have a Packers team that's lost eight games in a row. Hot seat for Matt Lafleur. Oh, absolutely. Well, hot, toasty seat. Well, I mean, I mean, look, listen. This will be seat. 
this will be a how many how many times will will we hear passing of the torch of the of Rodgers to Fields as far as the best quarterback in the in the uh, in the NFC North because no one likes Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and then you're going to get the Lions who are going to end up drafting C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or something like that. And then you're going to have like you're going to have two of the to the hot young quarterbacks in the NFL in the NFC North. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, great. I'm not dancing on their grave yet. I'm just saying that it sets up well. It sets up better for the Bears heading into that game than it does for the Packers heading into that game. Check out Blucking Abdal weeknights, six day, right here on ESPN 1000. And the Bear Down podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays, right here on the ESPN Chicago app. We'll talk to you on Thursday to preview Lions and Bears week 10 in the NFL.